scripture reading will come from Hebrews chapter 5, verses uh, 12 and 13. Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. By this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's oracles. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who drinks milk is untested in the message of righteousness, for he is a child. Please be seated. Please keep your Bibles turned to that passage because we're going to be looking at uh, several verses from uh, Matthew 5 and Matthew chapter 6. It was the late summer of 1977 and a family living in the hills of the Ozarks, they were excited because for the very first time in all of their family history, they were going to have a family member going off to college. It was an only child, a son, and he had received an academic scholarship to go to Harvard. Now, the family was excited, but the mom, the mom was a little bit worried because she had heard the stories that uh, what could happen on a college campus, especially those up north. And she had uh, uh, heard the stories about uh, some of the uh, ideas that maybe some of the uh, professors might have that might rub off on her only child. So one evening she decided to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with her son. So she gathered him uh, in his bedroom and she started. She started telling him what to watch out for, what to do, what not to do, the warnings. I mean, this went on for about two hours. Finally, the young man, the boy said, Mama, could I go get a drink of water? He wanted to take a break. So he heads to the kitchen and going to the kitchen, he walks through the living room where his dad was uh, watching TV. The dad said, um, son, how's it going back there? The boy looked at his dad and said, well, dad, I'm ready for college, but I don't think mom is. You know, moms are protective, aren't they? And rightly so. Growing up is hard to do, especially on moms and their kids but it's absolutely necessary. If we want our children and grandchildren to face the challenges of life, they've got to grow up. The same thing applies to the spiritual part. We have to grow spiritually. We need to grow spiritually. If we want to face the challenges of our life, we've got to grow spiritually. The question comes, how do we do that? How do we grow? Well, let me give you an advertisement right now to listen and watch the Bible investigation class tomorrow night and the one also on Thursday night at 9 o'clock because we're going to be talking about that subject. But how do we grow? Let's look, verse 11. Of chapter 5. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull 
of hearing. If you want to grow, if you want to grow spiritually, you, what? You can't be a dull listener. What does it mean to be a dull listener, to be dull of hearing? Well, I can give you a true life story that to, to illustrate what I mean here. One, one I was working on my car, and in one hand I had uh, the uh, alternator belt, and I had threaded it back into the alternator and the fan, and I was holding it tight. In the other hand, I had a tool, and I needed help. I needed a third hand, okay? I could hear my son in the backyard uh, playing with his dog. So I said, son, I need your help. Can you come over here? Nothing happened. So I thought, well, he didn't hear me. Justin, I need you. Come around to me. Nothing happened. I said, Justin Michael, a little bit louder that time. Nothing happened. I said, Justin Michael Cox, still nothing happened. So I let go of the, of the fan belt. I put down my tool, and I went around the corner. I said, son, did you not hear me? He said, no. I said, how many times did you not hear me? Oh, probably three or four times. It's more than just listening. It's doing. Dull of hearing means, you know, it means we are doing it. We're practicing it. Dull of hearing means we're not practicing it. It's not a case of not knowing so often it's a case of not doing. We must do. When you don't practice the Word, when you don't practice the Word, you don't progress. And you remain a pupil. You remain a babe in Christ. Uh, for a while, I had the opportunity to teach the seniors in a Christian private school, 12th grade seniors. And uh, I would uh, uh, distribute to them, the first day of class, I would distribute to them a hundred question basic knowledge of the Bible type quiz. Multiple choice, four possibilities for every question, meaning you could, you know, just guess and get probably 25% right. And I distributed that test to the, to the kids. I also one year decided to distribute that same test to my adult Bible class one Sunday morning. Billy, the class did not do well. I'm talking about the adult class. We need to progress. And to progress, we got to practice the Word. We've got to grow in the Word. When you practice God's Word, you grow in understanding. Now, let's look at our next verse, verse 12 and 13. For though by the time you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Basic principles are good, and we need to know them. But we need to go beyond the basic principles. 
We need to get into God's Word. A good friend of mine, he has memorized the book of Mark. He has memorized the book of John. And he has memorized the book of Acts. It took time to do that. It took a lot of time to do that, but he wanted to do that. He's not a preacher. He's not a preacher. He just wanted to do that. And he has done that. He has practiced the Word. He has, he has gained the knowledge of the Word. And I may add to, the, to that, he has grown in his service of the Word. Look now at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their power of discernment. Circle that word discernment. We're going to come back to that. Trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Discernment. That's understanding. That's understanding what you are reading. Discernment. It's practicing God's Word. Did you notice the word here, train? That Greek word train there is the same Greek word that uh, gives us the word gymnasium. You think about an athlete going to a gymnasium to practice, to train. Hey, they put forth the effort to get better. They want to excel in their sport. And the only way to excel in that sport is to practice. Donnie, you have a lot of practices, don't you? You call a lot of practices together. You need to practice. You are gaining knowledge of the game. Likewise, we need to practice. We need that discernment. When you learn, when you learn a new truth from God's Word, exercise it. Work it out. Practice it until it almost becomes second nature. Because guess what? It will eventually become second nature to you. If you were to sit down and talk to my friend who knows Mark and John and Acts, you could just start reading a, a verse to him and he'll give you the next verse. He practices that. He wants to know God's Word. He has put forth the effort. He has exercise. But I know some people say, well, the Bible's too big, though. And the Bible is big. Let's just admit it. That's a pretty big book there. Charlie knows this. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You don't try to soak up everything at once. That would probably flood your mind. But what you do is you practice a little bit. You read something, understand it, you put it into your life. You apply it to your life. It was nine years ago that Scotland Yard conducted an art show now, you're going to ask, why would Scotland Yard, a police agency, conduct an art show? 
Well, they conducted this art show for a private audience. Each person who attended was an art dealer. They wanted to show these art dealers the difference between real paintings and forgeries. Because every painting they had was a forgery. Did you know that 41% of all art sales are forgeries? 41%. There's a lot of fake out there in the field of art. There's likewise a lot of fake out there in the field of Bible study and Bible teaching. We need to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. How can we do that? By learning more about God's Word. By becoming a better student of God's Word. There's so much false teaching out there today, it's scary. While I celebrate the fact that we have so many wonderful uh, uh, Bible classes online and, and things available for people to watch and to learn and, and to gain knowledge, we've got to be aware there is a lot out there that is false. That's not right. For example, this month uh, I read a um, statement a statement that was made, an announcement that was made by one of our colleges that they are starting a new graduate program. Well, that's exciting, starting a new graduate program. And they are dedicating a building to this new graduate program. Well, that's exciting. Then I read what the program was for. It was to train denominational preachers. As I say, there is a lot of false teaching out there. We have to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Go back to that word there, discernment. That only happens, that only happens when we become good students of God's Word. It was four years ago, 2016, that a magazine called The Economist magazine ran an article. The title of the article was this, Yes, I Lied to You. The post-truth world we live in today. Let me pull out two points from that article. Point number one, right now it pays to be outrageous. If you want coverage, if you want your face on the news, if you want to be uh, talked about, if you want uh, free publicity, be outrageous. Come out with outrageous statements, over-the-top uh, ideas. Push the envelope. If you do that, people are going to notice you. The article says it doesn't pay to be truthful in today's world. That's according to that article. Point number two, they highlighted in the article one of the most effective ways to tell a lie. How do you tell a lie today? You bury it in, the tr in, in a lot of information. 
You bury it by hiding it in a lot of information that people will not notice until they have been convinced that it's true. It's called burying the truth by planting lies. What's happening in the economy world, what's happening in the economic world, what's happening in the world around us, politics, whatever, is also happening in the religious world. We have to be aware. We have to be on guard against all of that. So how do we live today in a post-truth world? A world that doesn't treasure truth, that doesn't cherish it, that doesn't value it? Well, it takes a lot of discernment. And discernment comes from constantly practicing the truth of God's Word. You know, there's a difference between children and adults. You could take a small child, you could take a small child, and I could go up to a small child and say, um, did you know that the world is flat? Did you know that the world's flat? And that child, that child might believe me. You know, the child could look around and say, well, everything looks flat to me. You know, we have a few hills, but it's mostly flat. Hey, the world must be flat. An adult who is living as an adult, he will question it. He'll say, well, prove it to me. I want to see the data. I want to see, I want to see the data that proves that the world is flat. Because I don't believe the world is flat. If we act as adults, we will check out the stories. Remember, remember the group in the book of Acts? They were more noble than another group? Why were they more noble? Because they were what? Checking out the Word. They were checking out the Scriptures. If you want to grow... If you want to grow spiritually, we must practice God's Word. How do we do this? We've got to be persistent. We've got to persist in the practice of God's Word. If I want to become a better basketball player. Now, when I was playing basketball, I was the last guy on the bench. Hey, guys, I mean, I rarely ever got into the games. If I really wanted to be a better basketball player, what would I need to do? I'd need to go to the gym and practice. But not just one time, not just two times, but persistently practice. There was a, a shortstop played for the San Francisco Giants. He never made the starting team in high school. When he went to college, he never made the starting team in college. He was always a bench player. He ended up playing in the major leagues. In fact, he ended up actually playing in two all-star games. How did he do it? He kept on practicing, faithfully practicing the game. If we want to be able to discern if we want to be able to guard ourselves against false teaching, 
we've got to be persistent in the practice of God's Word. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, every time you see the word therefore, it connects to what he's been talking before. And this would be chapter 5. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. It's good to know the basics, but we should be able to grow beyond the basics. Leave the elementary doctrine in Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We need to go beyond. Remember I said I distributed that 100 question test to my adult Sunday morning Bible class? Average score was 48. And the questions were not that hard. These were questions that I felt that any 12th grade Bible student should know about the Bible. The average score, the average score for my high school seniors, the average score was 81. Pretty big difference. Why the difference? It's because we have not applied ourselves. Let's just face the facts. We have not applied ourselves. I go back to a statement that I made this morning. One person said in the last hundred days or so that he had learned more about the Bible than he had in any other 100-day period. What has he been doing? He's been watching classes from Billy and myself. And he's been learning, learning some things that he did not know, he said. But now he does know. We can do it. We can learn. Now, the opposite of, of not growing up, the opposite of not growing up and being stronger in the faith is to be like Peter Pan. Remember Peter Pan? What did he want to do? He wanted, he wanted to remain a, a little boy. He didn't want to grow up. Now, we can remain a babe in Christ, but do we want to do that? Is God happy with us when we do that? You know, it's okay to be Peter Pan the first year that you're a Christian, maybe the second year, but you need to grow beyond being Peter Pan. We all need to grow. Verse number three, and this we will do. We can grow if God permits. Now, why would God not permit? Uh, it would be if we're not ready for it. Remember the parable of the talents? And he gave a different amount of talents, this money, to three different men, and it was all based on their what? Their ability. It was based on the ability. The guy who got the most, he could handle the most. The guy who got the least, well, he could only handle that smaller amount. Are we growing? This is a self-assessment test right now. Are we growing? Am, am I a better Bible student today than I was last year at this time? 
Am I a better Bible student today than I was last year? If not, why not? If you want to grow, if you want to grow in these tough times, practice God's Word, persist in the practice of God's Word, and then finally, don't be pig-headed in your ways. The article I wrote in the bulletin, I wrote thinking about this point. Because two men, I could have copied either one of these two men. Read that article. I chose to copy my grandfather, who was a longtime elder in the church. I didn't want to be like my father, because he was pig-headed, stubborn, extremely stubborn. I want to grow. How about you? I, I want to grow. I, I don't want to be led astray. I want to know the truth. Let's go back now, look at verse 4. For it is impossible. You know, there's not many times in the Bible when something is described as impossible. So let's notice what is impossible. For it is impossible in the case of those who were once been enlightened, they're Christians, who have tasted the heavenly gift. They've seen the, the blessings, the blessings of being a Christian, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in them and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and then have fallen away. What's impossible? To restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. There's a point out there you can't see it. I can't see it. But there's a point out there that if we run against God's Word, if we reject God's Word, if we turn our backs on God's Word, there's a point that will be reached when God's Word no longer impacts us, no longer affects us. We become pig-headed determined to do things our way. Doesn't matter what God's Word says. Unfortunately, that was my dad. He was stubborn and would not listen to God's Word any more. It does not give me joy to say that at all. But it's the truth. There's a point out there that we can, we can turn our backs on God's Word. We can resist the teaching. And there's a point that we can reach that only God can see. We can't see it. That we will no longer listen. Near the end of his life, I didn't ask my dad, I begged my dad. 
I pleaded with my dad. He would not listen. Verse 7. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. Think about Christians, faithful Christians who, who have been blessed by God and, and they grow and they become, you know, they become stronger and they become better servants, better students of God's Word. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to burn. God expects us to grow. If we had a child, if we had a child that didn't grow, we would be concerned. We'd take that child to the doctor and we'd say, Doc, something's wrong. My child is not growing. As children of God, God expects us to grow. It was during the Middle Ages, it was during the Middle Ages that a city commissioned a man, a painter, to paint a painting on a wall inside of a building. This wall was very long and very tall, and, and the painter decided to paint a picture from start to finish of the life of Jesus, from birth through resurrection. But he had two problems. He was finished with the painting except for the fact he didn't have someone to pose for the child stage of Jesus when he was a little boy in the temple at the age of 12. He didn't have anyone to pose for that picture and he couldn't find the, the right model, the right person to, uh, to use as a model for that picture. And the second one he couldn't, he couldn't ever find was someone to be Judas. He couldn't do it. One day he was out walking in the city and he saw these children playing. He saw this little boy and this little boy just had that angelic face, you know, that wonderful angelic looking face. And he went up to the parents of that young man and said, would you mind if your son was to pose for me and, and, and use, use him as a model for the picture of Jesus at age 12? The parents were overwhelmed. Well, sure, yes, uh, we would love for our son to be, you know, to be painted as a 12-year-old Jesus. So you had one down. He had one more to go. That was the, uh, the face of Judas. But he kept on looking for someone to be that face of Judas. He had in his mind what he wanted, and he wanted someone that, uh, that looked like, uh, well, that looked like sin was starting to overwhelm him. That's what he wanted. But he couldn't find anyone to play that part. The years went by and the painting was all finished except that one face. And the years went by and finally one, one day he was out walking around again and he noticed a, a drunk on the side of the street. And he looked at the guy's face. And the guy's face, it, looked, it just looked like evil had just overtaken him. You know, the, the evil of the world had just got the best of him. And, and he said, that's the guy. 
So he, uh, he poured a, a pot of coffee down him and got him sobered up and said, would you mind posing for this painting that I've been trying to finish for years? And the man said, would you pay me? The painter said, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you. The artist said, I'll pay you. The guy said, okay, I'll do it. So he goes down, he poses for the picture, and he, he's up there painting it, and he finishes it. And he noticed that the old man, that, not old man, but a, a man, he looked way beyond his years. He was actually not that old. He noticed the guy started to cry. He said, what are you crying for? He said, you don't realize I was your model for the 12-year-old Jesus way over there. What had happened to that angelic face? What had happened to that spirit? What had happened to that personality? What had happened to that little boy? He had been overtaken with evil. He had become grotesque in appearance. I tell that story for a reason. That's the warning to any of us sitting here tonight. If we don't grow in the Spirit, we will grow in the opposite way. And spiritually, we will become grotesque and miserable in our lives. Are you a Christian tonight? Once again, listen to the words of Jesus. What Jesus says, to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Most of us here are Christians, but are we living the Christian life? Are we growing in the Christian life? Can I say that I'm a stronger Christian today than I was last year? If not, why not? What is holding me back? What is causing me not to grow what sins do I need to confront in my life? What temptations do I need to overcome? What problems do I need to face and conquer? Do you need to seek His forgiveness? God will forgive, 1 John 1, 9. The church is ready to pray with you and for you, James 5, 16. It's our prayer that you will respond, that you will take forth and make the difference in your life. Donnie's going to be down here. I'm going to be down here. Billy will be down here. We're waiting for you. Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement?